Hello and welcome to Theodisc, the WTC Theology podcast where we discuss theological issues from different perspectives to encourage you to deepen your own thinking, understanding and faith. I'm Kenny Innes and today I'll be joined by Bob Ekblad. Bob holds a Doctor of Theology in Old Testament and he and his wife Gracie are co-founders and directors of Tierra Nueva, which serves immigrants from Latin America, inmates, homeless people, and people struggling with addictions. Bob is well known for his teaching and training and has written several books, including Reading the Bible with the Damned and Garija Gospel. Bob has his own podcast called Disciple. He teaches on missions and social justice at WTC, and you can check it all out at bobeckblad.com. In this episode, Bob and I will talk through his perspective on the growing emergence of theologies of Christian nationalism and their effects. I hope this episode gives you plenty to think about. Bob, it's great to have you with us on the WTC podcast. Thank you for taking the time to do this. All right, it's good uh, to be here. Yeah, and it's good that we're in the same room because you live way across on the other side of uh, the USA. Yes. Yeah, so we're thousands of miles, but happen to be in the same room at the same time. We're at the WTC Resi at the moment, um, enjoying that. And um, we're going to have, an, hopefully, a really interesting conversation today around the theme of Christian nationalism uh, and maybe how that conflicts with the way of Jesus and the way of the kingdom. But before we get into that, you, you need to be subject to three questions that every first-time guest has to answer when they come onto the podcast. And it's just a sense of trying to get to know you just a tiny little bit. Um, so we're talking about things that you return to. Um, it's often interesting to find out what people are interested in in the moment. And I think equally we find out um, about people from the things that they come back to again and again. So the first one is, what is a, a book that you return to? Well, I've been reading uh, this guy named Philemon of Gaza. Mm. And um, there's a friend of mine that knows a, a French hermit who had access to the Greek manuscripts of this guy who wrote commentaries on on the Gospels, on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he, my, my friend who is doing the translation, uh, first translation from Greek into French of these uh, sixth century uh, commentaries. And so I'm reading the first, uh, you know, um, I guess volume on Mark and it's just so it's inspiring. Yeah. So I've been reading that and it's just, uh, you can just read one little commentary, you know, and it's enough. It's just like, you know, deep, rich, mm. um, like new old wine, you know, kind of. Well, I'm glad that you're translating it because... We're translating to English, yeah. Yeah, good, because I can't read French. That's yeah. <laughs> actually interesting. Um, the next uh, thing would be, what is a, a food or a meal that you love that you just return to? I love um, wild salmon. Like, we live right on a salmon river, um, you know, where there's big migrations of salmon passing right past our house every mm-hmm. day, and there's native people below who fish, and we're able to, you know, buy salmon from them, and, and we cook it up, barbecue it up, and so I love I love wild salmon dinners. You're a fisherman yourself? Not so much, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> cool, salmon. There's a good Scottish theme there, so I like that. That's yeah. Um, and finally, um, a place or a location that you return to? I mean, my home, which is right on this river, um, and uh, in a forest and with my family. I love going there, and we live 
right uh, between the Cascade Mountains and the Pacific Ocean. Mm. So hiking and in the mountains and visiting the beaches. And, you know, I love just tromping around our region. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, so today's conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about Christian nationalism. Now, if people listening are somewhat aware of um, kind of international news, and in the UK, certainly, we hear a lot of what's going on in the USA where you live. So we will have absorbed some of these ideas, but I think it would be good if you maybe talk about what you mean by that term, uh, Christian nationalism. Well, in many ways, it's an oxymoron. How can you be a Christian and uh, be a nationalist? Because uh, if you embrace Jesus as Christ, as the Messiah, as uh, the Savior of the whole world, then you're more of a global uh, person, right? Mm -hmm. And so a, a true follower of Jesus is someone that's about the whole world, not about nation. But I would say Christian nationalism is when there's a notion of patriotism that is sort of viewed as uh, as sacralized and, uh, and 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 there's a mindset that the nation has some kind of special status that distinguishes it and and that a citizen has an, an allegiance to that nation that is sort of god ordained and i think it's that fusion of a uh, of faith and allegiance patriotism that i would that is, concerns me and that fits under the category of christian nationalism mm. so is there then an issue if someone is would describe themselves as Patriotic are those two distinct things? I think there's an issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I read uh, the the Bible, uh, I see the calling of Abraham as a protocol call. You know, where God calls him to um, leave. You know, you go from you go for yourself from homeland mm -hmm. um, and then kindred or ethnicity and f family to the place that I will cause you to see and with the promise that through your descendant, uh, I'm going to uh, bless all the families of the, of the earth. And Abraham went. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we see with Jesus, too, at his baptism, that he departs um, after his baptism. He leaves um, across the border of the Jordan and goes into the wilderness. In fact, the Holy Spirit even, uh, even uh, casts him out, mm -hmm. according to Luke, um, you know, with the term ekbalo, like the man who's cast out of the garden you know, the, the Adam. And so Jesus is, you know, he actually leaves and and comes back in, uh, not to announce the kingdom of Israel, but the kingdom of, God, of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And so, you know, we need to recover that uh, identity that Jesus uh, has and that he invites us into being children of the Father rather than children of a particular, uh, you know, of USA or UK or England or whatever, the great France or... Holland or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I guess this sense of of or this idea of Christian nationalism raises its head in different ways in different nations. Um, we can maybe talk a little bit about that down the line. But you obviously your context is the USA. So how do you see? that idea being played out in in the church over there and, the, and kind of the effect that it's having? I mean, there are many people that um, identify the USA as being a Christian, originally a Christian nation founded on, you know, by, by Christians who were uh, fleeing persecution and 
without really recognizing that most of the founding fathers were were masons they were involved in the masonic you know free masonry and and just there's a lot of denial around the origins of the usa but but many are saying uh, look america has this destiny as a nation um you know and I, and th there's a whole problem there because where does this idea of a nation having a destiny you know so often the way the bible is uh, inter translated where nations are viewed as nation states when actually the word nation is just ethnos which means non-jews so really gentiles and so we've we've because of mistranslations or or translations that call it nations and the assumption that these are nation states there's a whole theology that each of these nation states has a destiny and so the prophetic movement has claimed that that they've heard revelation from god about sort of the prophetic destiny of usa or of of england and and so there's people that are wanting to get back to whatever that was, which means, uh, you know, we sort of got to take back what's been stolen by the secularists or the, you know, the liberals. So we have a, a very dangerous movement underway in the United States that is about that, that um, I'm deeply concerned about. But it's happening everywhere around the, around the world, this move towards uh, populist, you know, sort of patriotic nationalism. Yeah, and our nation first. Yes, America first. Yeah, yeah, and we're bad for that here in the UK as well. And I think we've had our own populist movement, you know, in the last five or six years, where we've really said let's concentrate on on us um, as a nation and kind of close ourselves off. And I guess that's kind of um, an outworking of this idea is that if you are, if your allegiance is to your nation first, um, and there's some kind of divine. Uh, impetus for that, some kind of divine right that your nation has, you necessarily tend to shut off or disregard people from other nations around you. Yes. You know, um, that's why idolatry was one of the primary, uh, you know, issues that the prophets addressed. And the first commandment is to have no other images and no other likenesses and to, you know, to worship the Lord your God. He's the one who liberates from Egyptian slavery, right? Mm. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength, you know, the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. So how can that, um, you know, love of, of flag, nation, pat, patri, you know, pat, patria, all of that is like, uh, I think it's, it's a natural human, you know, I guess aspect of, of, of human beings. It's a passion, a proclivity. We have a proclivity towards idolatry. But that's why we need that word uh, to flee idolatry. Yeah. Um, and it feels like there's almost, you, you said earlier, how can you be a Christian and a nationalist? Um, but it feels like there's a kind of a, a syncretism between, it's kind of taking religious themes, taking nationalistic themes and kind of blending them together in what yeah. seems to be a new form of religion, a, a new thing altogether. Yes, and, and, and it's possible through ignoring Jesus and his teachings, which is what happens. You know, Jesus was clearly not a nationalist. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, what does he say? He says, flee to the mountains, you know. You know, he talks about the temple, not one stone being left upon another. He calls, he doesn't call for the temple or the Jewish uh, homeland to be defended. You know, he's all about a much bigger mission of you know, the kingdom of God being announced to the ends of the earth. Mm. Yeah. So 
if we take this idea then that um, and we've kind of briefly sketched it but this idea of um, exalting our nation and um, and assigning to that some kind of uh, divine value um, and it almost becoming its own new kind of religion that obviously does something to our sense of understanding what Jesus is about and what his kingdom is about and I wonder if we can kind of start to look at ideas of justice and if we must exalt our nation and if we see our nation as this great place it's almost we have a revisionist history where God has been leading the nation all along and it maybe makes us resistant to the idea of critiquing our own nation in the places where we've gone wrong and even in our current moment identifying places where injustices are done because if we look at that the facade falls away yes I mean, I think there's all kinds of issues. One is just a, a false notion of sovereignty, that God is in control of everything, and so everything is within his sovereign will. And, um, you know, we see that the prophetic tradition uh, in the Old Testament, the prophets are railing against the status quo, uh, really presenting what's happening in Judah or in, in Israel as being uh, completely against the will of God, even though they're getting away with it. And, uh, you know, people are worshiping at the high places. And, and so the prophet is saying, you know, um, that is, is presenting the, the, the future destruction of, you know, of, of, of Israel itself. Uh, and that's what happens, you know, Israel goes into exile. Um, and, um, and so I think we, we need to recover a robust understanding of biblical prophecy. And a lot of that has to do with um, an understanding of the principalities and powers. I think, yeah, you know, principalities and powers are part of the creation that is uh, good. You know, all things were created by Christ and for Christ. You know, Colossians 1 talks about that, right? But he's the head of every rule and authority and power. And, uh, and so, uh, but we're, we've been put over the non-human creation, you know, right? Jesus, or Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over you know, um, rule over the non-human creation. So the powers were meant to were meant to rule over them, those powers, uh, and not come under them in a way where we worship them. Mm. And what we have in America is people worshiping uh, the flag, worshiping the Constitution, worshiping personalities like Donald Trump. You have the worship of the creature, and uh, according to Romans one, when we worship the creature rather than the Creator, then our foolish hearts are darkened. In professing to be wise, we become fools, and we're given over to the passions, you know, uh, just, uh, anger, rage, you know, divisions, and that's what we have in America right now—just huge polarization, uh, and just uh, it's a mess. Yeah. So we need to recover uh, an understanding of the powers as being um, okay. They're not evil, but when we worship them, then there's they become spiritually oppressive. So we need to put them in their place, in the right place. Yeah. And that's what I don't see happening. I see the opposite happening when people are elevating these powers and coming under them, like the Constitution or, you know, the flag. Yeah. I lived in America for 12 and a half years. Um, and I just remember the lure of that, or even the power of that, even being at a baseball game or a football game at the beginning, the anthem. And I, I you know, I, I would never um, sing it because I'm, from the UK, so it's not it's not my anthem. But even the the, the look that people would give me from around, you know, you get the sense of why are you not 
falling in, in, in line with this. And that, that whole, that, that's a very powerful and alluring thing, this sense of um, the movement towards everybody um, being on side um, uh, with, with, with that sense of nationalism and united as a nation. But like you've said already, it seems like that pulls our allegiance away from Jesus and into something else. It seems to me that as an outside observer, that even streams of Christianity in the US who before might not collide with each other or have anything to do with one another, actually seem to be coming united by this sense of Christian nationalism. So you might have kind of more conservative evangelicals um, on the same platform with someone who's from a charismatic prophetic position where they might not share a platform before, but this idea is uniting them. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's terrifying in a lot of ways. The, the way, um, you know, there's a resurgence right now of this kind of nationalism, and there's, and it ties in with this theology of the, of this understanding of the seven mountains that some have uh, claimed that we're called to, you know, sort of take these mountains and um, and rule and reign from them. And of course, it's valuable to for Christians to be salt and light everywhere. We need to be in all these realms of of influence in the world. I'm not I'm not opposing that, but the idea that we that we sort of take these mountains and almost like in a post-millennial dominionist, um, you know, like reigning, we reign over because we're the, we're the church and the God's governing body. Mm-hmm. And there's that kind of thinking that is really uh, raging through the, you know, I mean, just spreading everywhere like wildfire through a lot of charismatic and evangelical circles. Yep. And I think we need to resist it. You know, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. It's not of this world. Yeah. You know, we're, we're to be in the world and not of it. You know, strangers and aliens. And, um, and that, um, you know, and, and it's Jesus who is the king. We pledge allegiance to Jesus, not to the kingdom of God. If, if I pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God and the Great Commission, which uh, the Watchman decree, that's how it begins, mm-hmm. then, you know, that can easily be pledging allegiance to an idea of the kingdom that someone else has defined, which can be political ideology, mm-hmm. you know, and rather than to the, the resurrected king, Jesus himself. And who is also the commissioner of the Great Commission? Yeah, yeah. And so I think, um, and if, for those who have not seen the Watchman Decree, it might be worth going and reading that. It's uh, something that's been constructed as kind of an, an oath to <laughs> to Christian nationalism, which is interesting to see how they really do in that uh, confuse and blend um, this kind of patriotic sense of nation with um, the idea of of, of uh, advancing the kingdom of God, and how those two get very blurred um, in that in that decree. In fact, Bob has a podcast on it, which I recommend people going and listening to. Maybe we can think just in this kind of final um, little while that we have together, that if, if those if that's kind of the danger, and certainly here in the UK, we maybe have a more latent sense of nationalism. It's not as overt as it is right now in the, in the US, but we certainly have it, this sense, even in our country, that there's kind of a um, an ordination of God upon us and that we're a special nation. And maybe we can look at ways that we might be able to resist this notion that our nation's uh, future is wrapped up with the, the future of the kingdom of God and maybe how we might be able to prophetically and practically speak and work against that. 
Yeah, I um, I love how Jesus responds to the disciples after his resurrection mm-hmm. in Acts chapter one verse six. They ask him, Lord, is this is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Sort of the nationalist question, right? Is right. it now that you know that we're going to reign, um, you know, and sit on the twelve tribes, judging the mm-hmm. you know the giant twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel? Is now the time? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father's fixed by his own authority, mm-hmm. right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And uh, that's the word, mart- you know, mart- martyros, you know, martyrios or whatever, martyrs, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Okay, so that's that's the nation. That's, mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. And Samaria. Okay, those are the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to the remotest parts of the earth, right? And uh, I love that, that uh, the mission includes the nation, but um, also the sort of the, the outcasts within the nation and, and the, whole, the, whole, the whole world, right? Or, or the Great Commission, you know, uh, how Jesus says he sends them out. And as you go, make disciples of all of the non-Jews, mm. you know, all of the ethne, the yeah baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're bringing them into the family of God. You know, um, that, that means they're brothers and sisters with us, and, and we're on an equal footing. And so we're part of this, you know, the kingdom of God. And, and that, that trumps uh, national identity and national allegiances. You know, we're, we're, we're about a universal kingdom without borders. Mm-hmm. And we're teaching them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded and I will be with you always. Yeah. Like to me, that sets the sets the direction for the followers of Jesus until He returns. Mm. You know, bearing witness, making disciples, announcing the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think what the, the the nationalistic move is is towards a focus on a top down power, and a lot of the kind of for me the disturbing some of the prophetic things um, have been kind of placing our hope in a man. Who will be at the top of that tree and exert the kind of things that we that we would expect to see, apparently in a Christian nation, the kind of laws and hand those down as if those can be imposed from on top, and that seems to be radically counter to Jesus' idea of um, of serving the people that are around you, like you say, um, whoever they are, and of love and of, of sacrifice. I mean, look at Jesus in Matthew twenty. You know. Um, he calls the disciples to himself because they're arguing about who's going to sit at his right and his left when he enters his kingdom. You know, um, the political question, the power question. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and that their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. Mm-hmm. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whomever wishes to be first among you should be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but, but or to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, it's that upside down notion of the kingdom of God, you know, of Jesus not in considering equality with, with God as something to be grasped, but emptying himself and taking on the form of a slave and becoming obedient to the point of death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that downward movement of the, of, that is embodied by Jesus, and, and we're called to follow him mm-hmm. in that trajectory, you know, which is the, 
the way that death is conquered is through that descent to the cross. So do you think then that if our focus is on kind of a centralized national power and our hope is in that, then that pulls us away from the margins where we tend to see, you know, in the Gospels, Jesus at work? Totally. I mean, like, look, we, we need to be available to be, to walk alongside the tax collectors and sinners of our time. These, you know, the immigrants, the refugees, the undocumented, the whoever they might be. For us, they're all people that... That, that, that Jesus loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to get out of this mindset of entitlement and of uh, thinking about our own borders and, and we need to be uh, have an expansive view as uh, citizens of, of the kingdom of heaven, right? Because it's, it's about on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Our Father, mm -hmm. we pray too. You know, who's, who's included in the hour? And on earth as it is in heaven, not um, in, you know, in uh, on earth as it is in the UK or as, as it is in America or right. whatever like that. You know, we're, we're about Jesus announcing Jesus's, uh, you know, his supremacy and his uh, being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah. Even though we don't yet see that f fully, fully realized. And we won't until he returns. We could talk about this for a <laughs> there's so much that we could unpack about this and maybe we can in the future but i do you know i think um i do wonder wouldn't it be great if our churches actually became then visions of that uh, of how the the kingdom of god and the kingship of jesus breaks down those barriers and the our church communities themselves became witnesses against this idea of the, the special uh, nation that lords it over the others it would be so beautiful, you know, and if um, when we side with people the way Jesus did over against uh, the our allegiance, you know, breaking with siding with the laws and, and with the systems when we choose to side with the people and we we, we, we come alongside people as, you know, embodying the, the, the grace and the love um, of Christ. I mean, we're going to see people being drawn to that, you know, because... Uh, People are looking to be, uh, you know, to be, to be, to come into that communion of being children of, of God, and uh, and people are longing for a, a deep community that that is far beyond what they can receive as being through being part of a of a party or a, mm. you know, or a, a club or a, a team or, or anything like that. And the communion that we have in the koinonia through the Holy Spirit is something that we need to be experiencing ourselves and so that we can invite other people into it, yeah. right? As an alternative community to, you know, sort of whatever fervor and, you know, power and elation that comes from just uh, coming around a, a totem of a, of a flag or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we want to be able to be safe people for people who are, whoever they might be, criminals, people who are, who have immigration status that is, uh, that is uh, that can't be resolved that they're undocumented we want to be people that are going to be viewed as safe mm -hmm. and uh, as safe, a safe haven we should be a, a safe haven for you know for people that are that are um, in need of the security um, of, of just being loved by God mm -hmm. you know and, and so that means we're gonna to have to break with uh, you know with 
the ties that would ally us in people's eyes with the powers. If we're viewed as just, like I go into the prisons all the time, in jails, and I work with undocumented immigrants. If They would look at me and think, okay, he's a white white, white guy, he's a U.S. citizen. Like, Who's he siding with? Is he with us? Is he with them? Does he agree with the state and what they're doing with us? Does he agree with the prison system? Like they, they're assuming that I that I probably am in agreement with their sentence, with uh, the judge, with the prosecutor. So I have to differentiate myself, uh, you know, verbally and overtly, and help them see that look, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really representing something else. I'm representing another kingdom that is not of this world, and uh, my allegiance is fully to to that king, Jesus. You know, who was executed mm. by the authorities of his day. Mm. You know, he got the death penalty. Yeah, but he's resurrected. He's alive. Okay, and he's here, and he's available to, uh, you know, to to be your savior and to heal you. You know, right here and now. So let's let's pray. You know, I mean, we want to be people who are who are inviting people into this alternate kingdom that is more real than um, the realms of this of power of this world, even though it's not visibly manifested as a nation state or something. Well, it isn't. So. That's the pilgrim status that we're in. And we should realize that uh, blessed are those who are meek, right? Hmm. For they will inherit the heaven, the earth, but not yet. We're going to inherit it and we're not going to take it by force, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a line in a song that says that we're all migrating to the place where our father lives <laughs> because he married into a family of immigrants. And I love that, that sense that we're, on, we're all on that journey together. Would you, um, as we close, would you mind to just pray for us yeah, um, okay. over this this conversation? That would be great. Yeah, Jesus, thank you that you are the Christ, uh, the Messiah of Israel and the Christ Savior of the world. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus, the, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the, of the world. Uh, Jesus, we pledge our allegiance to you you are our king, and we love you. We ask that you'd help us to uh, fix our eyes on you, and uh, that you would alert us to any ways that our uh, allegiance to you is compromised, and that you'd help us to be uh, fully given over to uh, follow you and, and, and let you be the shot caller and our commander-in-chief and the one who guides us forward into um, the kingdom of God that is uh, approaching and that will be fully uh, realized because you're victor. You've conquered the power of death. You've overcome the power of the ruler of this world. Thank you, Lord, for that. And just help us to, to, to truly believe that, uh, Jesus, that you are the world's savior, that you're our savior, and that you won, that you've won. Help us all, Lord, just give us faith and help us to step into our truest identity so that we can be part of your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Bob, thank you for spending the time. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and really glad that you're here today. All right, it's great to be here with you. God bless you. Well, thank you to Bob Eckblad for giving us so much to think about and to pray about as we seek to live our lives for Jesus, whose kingdom is far greater than any earthly nation or kingdom. 
Our next episode, just in time for Christmas, is going to be an absolute treat. Kenny and Lucy met up with Tim Mackey of the Bible Project at the 24-7 prayer gathering in Belfast and had an insightful chat about Tim's personal journey of faith as a biblical scholar gaining a deeper appreciation of systematic theology. The Theodisc podcast is part of WTC, a theological college that seeks to partner with the church through equipping and sending the whole people of God. Our innovative hub model allows you to study on any of our part-time programs without leaving your work or ministry. Come and find out more at wtctheology.org.uk. If you have enjoyed any of the episodes of Theodisc or have any comments or feedback, why not send us an email at podcast at wtctheology.org.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and who knows, maybe we'll take requests. Thank you for listening to episode five of Theodisc. Join us for episode six when Kenny will be joined by Tim Mackey and Lucy Pepiat for our Christmas special. Bye for now.